Howdy folks, welcome to the Berglund Report. I'm your host Carl Berglund and this is the view from my side. Should I keep my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself as guilty of treason toward my country and of an act of dis the majesty of heaven, which of all earthly kings. This is a time for men of principle and men of faith to share their opinions. And we have a man on the show with us today who's not afraid to share his, and he has some, and they're pretty well informed. If I read him right, we got with us Ron Nielsen. Uh, he uh, hails out of Eagle, Idaho, uh, originally from Burns, Oregon, born, moved to Napa, Napa at the age of 12, dropped out of Napa High School, finished his college or finished his uh, high school education in the Job Corps, where he got a carpentry trade worked in construction for several years and then did what all entrepreneurial guys do and started beginning businesses, had a few businesses, the last of which was a framing prize uh, in uh, Boise and met the Lord in 1994, uh, started a group in 2008 in response to the crash. Uh, I'm very familiar with that called Sons of the Republic in Idaho. Is that right, Ron? Yes, sir. That's right. Okay. And uh, so it began, a, uh, started out as a government accountant, account morphed into something else. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit later. Um, enrolled in an online community college, online college to get a paralegal certificate um, after injuring himself and not able to work in construction anymore. Uh, obtained a 3.4 GPA realized he could get better grades and go for a Juris Doctorate and started looking at schools to do that. Then in 2012, his father called and asked for some help with him in North Central Idaho. So Ron dropped all of his stuff and went north to help dad. Uh, currently involved in a, an LLC with a minor and so with some kind of participation with dad. And Ron is currently operating the processing portion of this mining concern while the other guy is getting the rock out of the ground. I think you got the better deal. Uh, currently living in Eagle. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you basically lived the life of privilege where the harder you work, the more privilege you got, right? Well, I, what I've done is I've worn my privilege out so much. I can barely get up in the morning. <laughs> man i can relate i can relate so um i looked at so it looks to me like you uh when you started the sons of republican idaho group you started blogging and it looks like you quit blogging right about the time that your dad called you and you had to go north is that right yeah that's pretty that's pretty accurate I did that. I went to your to the Sons of Republican Idaho website and, and read, you only got two blogs up there and I read both of them and that's that was kind of what the timeline looked like. So it looks like you and I have uh, 
had a similar experience as far as reading material goes. Looks like we read the same stuff. Um, so that's, uh, that should be pretty interesting. Um, so what did, uh, what you said that your, uh, when you started Sons of Republic in Idaho, it was, it began as a, uh, government accountability, uh, group and you said it morphed into something else. What, what was it morphed into? Well, that's a good question. Um, we were, you know, the, the intent of the whole thing was, you know, like I said, government accountability because of the crash of 2008, we realized that we were in some trouble in the way that the United States was being governed. Um, you know, the, the bailout to the banks, you know, where they got all their money and the citizens got screwed over. I mean, it really just opened a lot of eyes, right, about government uh, corruption and, you know, this sort of thing. So, you know, over a very short amount of time, within about a year and a half, putting this whole thing together and kind of recruiting the right people to to, to begin having meetings and, and, you know, getting things together. Some of the people that were involved in the group were bringing um, a certain amount of information to the group meetings, and this, the information kind of went along these lines. There, there were a series of groups in the United States that were organized with uh, the uh, specified intent to you to understand that the United States government had been converted into a corporation in 1871. And their evidences for this were the 1871 Organic Act of DC and some subsequent case law that had nothing to do with the 1871 Organic Act. They were just case law on territory. So this is my introduction to the territorial federal lands issue, right? At the time I really didn't know a whole lot about it, but it was my introduction to it. Of course, I'm an extremely curious person by nature, so that started my research into it, which would take me, you know, many years to put together all of the details of that whole thing. So so this group morphed into kind of a, a national movement. Uh, it was run by a guy named Tim Turner, and at first, it was very innocuous. What he was doing was something called a secured party, uh, secured party process, in which, you know, the premise was that your your flesh and blood person and your corporate person per, were two different identities, and that that the I'm familiar with the theory. Yeah, yeah, and the system was using your corporate you traded on the open market to conduct all sorts of nefarious activities. And so then the premise right. was, well, if you got control of your corporate you and used it for yourself, that you could, in essence, discharge debt and all this other weird stuff. And I still, I understand it now better today than I did back then. But at the time, I was like, man, this is okay. <laughs> weird stuff. Right. So we got involved in that. Well, eventually, Tim Turner, you know, within about a year and a half of us following Tim Turner and, and uh, going to monthly, you know, having monthly phone conversation meetings nationally. I, this was a national movement. You have to understand this was like, you know, half of the states of the union had these groups in their states and they were involved in this. Right. Yeah. I remember. So one day we're, yeah. So one day we're in a phone conversation and Tim Turner starts talking about this guy named Sam Kennedy and quote unquote, Sam Kim Kennedy had been approached by the United States members of the United States military and were told that the military was going to back an operation that 
restored proper non-corporate government to the United States based on the original constitution. And we're all like, well, that's kind of what we're looking at doing. We want to do something like that. We've been trying to theorize how that could possibly happen. We're like, yeah, let's, let's look into it. So that started this whole thing called TRAP. It was the anacronym. And it was called the Restore America Plan. And there was a whole bunch of us involved, people that you know, you would know their names, right? They're still involved yeah. in politics in the state of Idaho. And um, so, you know, when we were one of the main groups, you know, I'd, I had actually assisted Tim Turner in rewriting some of his legal documentation because he was selling these legal packages, right, where you could buy the packet from him, fill out all the stuff, all the paperwork. And then you, once it was all filled out, you would print it out X amount of times on bond paper. And then you would submit that on the county record. And then, and then you would have another separate package. And this is where it got a little nefarious. There was another separate, separate package that you would send to Timothy Geithner uh, in, in the, um, uh, <clears throat> to the United States Treasury. And then you would be basically with your paperwork telling Timothy Geithner that your intent was to be able to start discharging debts that you had using the bond system. Right. Right. You know, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Okay. Okay. I think a lot of people are by now because it's still this, this ideology still circulating through the system. So, so we did all that. I didn't do the bonding things. I thought, okay, that's way over the line. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm, let other people do that. I'm not doing it. So, but I wanted to see how this whole thing was going to go. And of course, you know, at this point we were, we were sort of asked, but not really asked. It was more along the lines of this is what you have to do. And you have to create citizens grand juries in every state. And by the time by the time we issued the the the, uh, the orders to the governors, which we'll get to in a minute, um, there was one of these citizens' grand juries in every state of the union. All fifty states have. So, you know that what we were what we were getting from Tim Turner and and Sam Kennedy and this group of people they called themselves the elders. Oh yeah. They eventually, you remember that, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> so you know they 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 gave themselves positions. They voted themselves positions of power, and and I'll give you an example of how that works. In the constitutional system, the citizens of the states vote for the government positions. But what the elders did is they voted themselves into those positions. Well, because you know their their ideology stated that well the government offices are vacant and so we're being put under tremendous pressure by the United States military to occupy those positions as fast as humanly possible so we didn't have the time to go through a voting process we voted ourselves in i'm like whoa 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 <laughs> right here's your time out <laughs> yeah i'm like i've seen all i need to see at this point so we had a conversation uh, my my right hand guy and i steve monroe got into a conversation with them on the phone where we addressed that issue. And they were basically in a very snide and condescending, but yet sort of controlled manner. They were telling us, this is what you're going to do. And of course, my response was, well, <laughs> you, 
a couple of things. One, I'm a construction worker. I don't care what you say. Number two, I'm an Idahoan, which makes it even worse. So we're not doing anything. Have a nice day. And so that was our, we ended it right there. Well, within a few years, and then I'll leave it right here. Within a few years after that event where we removed ourselves, we saw that like half of the other states removed themselves and eventually Tim Turner got, got prosecuted and was put in prison and some of the other people that were involved in that, that were doing all this weird stuff. And that's when I found out that the CIA was intimately involved, intimately involved in the process and were thanked publicly by some of some of the republics that had been set up in the states. They thanked the CIA for their assistance. And then, of course, shortly thereafter, the FBI was called in front of Congress to talk about PATCON. And then that's, for me, that's when it all coalesced and came together. Right. So, yeah, this uh, it's it's kind of funny how those things work out, right? Uh, kind of like the Aryan Brotherhood uh, up there in Hayden, right? Yeah, and half of them were CIA and the other half were ATF. And, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> they're uh trying to spy on each other thinking they were spying on people that they were trying to entrap that's a it's kind of amazing well you know here's the the american people during this time you know we kind of got a little whiff of what was coming with the ruby ridge incident the the waco incident you know and this these were these were the, the american people including myself were having a hard time figuring out how the the United States federal government had been so militarized to, to be able to do these sorts of things. And obviously um, none of it was really legal, but they made it legal. These were like extrajudicial killings is basically what they were. It was just, it was a nightmare going on in, in the United States. And we were all very concerned across a lot of lines. And of course, after the crash of 2008, we're like, this has gotten out of control. Something needs to happen. Yeah, and, and so people that were actually paying attention to losing their liberties and and trying to figure out what to do about it, it's, uh, it's pretty easy when somebody says, hey, I got the fix to look at them and go, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> Tell me. Um, and so I, I know a lot of well-meaning people that got led down uh, that path. I, um, I got exposed to that very same thing, of course, uh, in um, the mid-'90s. And, uh, and, um, I only, I got to read about, oh, I want to say four or five documents. And then I figured out that snapped in me after I'm reading the documentation. I said, oh no, 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 this, this, this ain't going to work. This ain't right. Um, I put it away, told the gentleman to don't bother me with that stuff again. You want to talk about something? Let's talk about how to do things real. Um, right. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, so you you get an education by <laughs> even if it's not the one you started out to get, right? Well, yeah, and you know, of course, everybody in the group, well, really, everybody that was in the group na- nationwide, you know, the entire nationwide circuit of people that were involved in this. Once, once the because the goal of the whole trap thing was to issue orders to the governors of all fifty states, and you can find this on a Google search, right? Uh, the restore America plan and what happened. And it made national news for maybe a day or two and then was absolutely dropped. Right. Right. 
Right. Um, and then so we issued the orders to all 50 governors and the order was along the lines of, of uh, you will swear allegiance to the organic constitution or to the original constitution. You have to be careful about our terms because if we use the term organic, that means territorial. So we'll swear allegiance to the original constitution of the United States and or if you can, if you weren't going to do that, then you'd be re- very detailed. So there was a little bit of a threat of force there, right? Right. And that works out real well. Yeah, well, that'll get you investigated by the FBI every time. Yes, yes, it will. Yes, it will. <laughs> and, and then all kinds of bad things will happen, uh, like Tim Turner found out. Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of people went to prison over that. I don't know if they're still there to this day. I imagine some of them probably still are. Yeah. I imagine, I, well, I imagine that they are. And I haven't heard, of course, you know, when I when I closed the book and sent those guys away, I, I didn't have anything more to do with them. So I, I, I made it my practice to to stay away from that. Um, and I counseled all my friends to stay as far away from it as it because I didn't think it was going to turn out well. Uh, turns out right. I was right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, well, that's... Uh, that, that is all very, very interesting. So what happens is, is he gets an education, like I said, uh, whether he wanted when he started out to get, but you do learn some things. Um, oh, I did. And, yes. You, uh, and so that causes you to read. It causes you to study. And it causes you to really uh, push forward to figure out what we're going to do because you're obviously a guy that's interested in self-governance, right? And Yes. And and actual constitutional governance. Yeah. So uh, let's do this, Ron. Let's uh, let's let's start right now. Okay. And I think one of the one of the things that uh, that is, of course, most important on everybody's mind in the United States of America right now is those masks. All right. Right. Everybody's talking about these stupid masks. Right. So here, here we are. We've got. Um, most of the states in the union have statewide mask mandates, right? Mm, and right. You know, I want to say one, one notable holdout here is the mayor of Midland, uh, Patrick Payton. And he has actually gone on his Facebook page and sent an address to the citizens of the, of Midland that they would not be enforcing this mandate asking people to do what they know is right, just be uh, conscious of their brothers and sisters and do the right thing. What In his words, Midlanders have always done the right thing. I trust you guys to do the right thing now. Um, we're not going to be spending any law enforcement money on mask mandates. Okay. Uh, so, so kudos. Uh, you do see the signs up on almost every store. Uh, one notable exception is in Seminole, Texas, which is, of course, is not in Midland County, but uh, Seminole, Texas has the Southern Rose Cafe, and they have a, a sign up saying that their employees are not forced to wear masks, and if, you, if you're uncomfortable with that, feel free to use the drive through So if anybody's in uh, Seminole, Texas, stop by Southern Rose Cafe, have yourself a, uh, I had the chicken fried steak, it was awesome. Uh, nice. So there's two plugs, but 
in Idaho, we've got a bit of a different scenario, which I, I find absolutely reprehensible. Uh, we've got a governor that has issued a statewide mask mandate. And you've got all kinds of people arguing that he has the authority to do so. Now, um, I'm going to tell you, I have, you know, of course, I've read the U.S. Constitution many, many times. I've read the Idaho State Constitution many, many times. And I've read the Idaho codes that uh, the governor claims to use for his authority. And I'm not sure that I find that in there. So um, why don't you try to help me out? Wrong. Well, I would love to. I, I, um, I'd like to think of myself as really good at private rights. It's something that I've been doing in, in my I, – I have a personal – paralegal practice that I've been doing for the better part of 10 years. And so I, I'll take cases for people for free. I don't charge them anything. It's kind of part of my personal ministry. It's the way that I are, am, am helping my fellow citizens because I understand private rights really well. And I understand how the Supreme Court has ruled on private rights. And because I understand the way that Supreme Court has ruled on private rights, I know that I can use the Supreme Court, Supreme Court ruling on private rights to correct some things. This is where it gets really interesting with people in the state of Idaho. It's like, I will hear them in, in debate, hear or read, you know, what they write in Facebook or other places. And I, I will, you know, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this idea that, that there's, there should be no such thing as case law. And that, that's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword because in order for us to understand how we're going to agree as a culture, as a, as a, a social, you know, an agreed-upon set of social facts that we're going to live by, precepts or whatever you want to call it, there, we have to have some, quarter, some sort of recordation of how the Supreme Court solves these matters under their Article Three authority, which we gave them. We gave them the authority to hear cases and decide between parties. Well, if they decide between parties, they have to probably, a lot of times, go to the original intent of the Constitution and try to figure out, okay, if this person, this party before me, in a defense position, not the moving party typically, if, if the defendant in this situation is is trying to get uh, relief because they've been wrongly it's been wrongly asserted some sort of criminal behavior against them then we have to know you know the court has to know what what does the constitution say about that and how are we going to interpret that and and the way that the constitution's been interpreted by the supreme court is typically on on these on these issues for the citizen in favor of the citizen, a lot of the times, depending on the case. So here, here's what I would say about that. The Supreme court has been really clear and the department of justice has also been really clear about the position of the department of justice on the legal mechanisms that the States can use for, for example, lockdowns and mask mandates. It's been told to them by the Department of Justice that they cannot infringe upon your constitutionally secured rights, even in this emergency. The Department of Justice has been real clear about that. And, and William Barr publicly has said, if you find yourself in a situation 
where the state is abusing one of your rights and you're going to be in a court scenario where you're going to have to defend yourself, that the Department of Justice may be inclined to enjoin the case to defend you. Okay, so we've got got a a U.S. attorney who is on the side of citizens' rights. That's what you're saying to me. And on the side of the plain text of the limited powers that the Constitution has bequeathed to the federal government and then by extension uh, to the state governments. Is that what I'm hearing? That's That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. So now that we have, so we have a U.S. Attorney General that I'm, I'm going to say on our side, right, uh, the side of the people, okay. um, which uh, should lead me to to believe that since the U.S. Attorney General is on our side, we should have several of uh, at least some of the the more uh, liberty minded. I hate to say conservative or liberal anymore because nobody knows what that means. Um, the more liberty minded. Uh, States should be recognizing that position. Uh, doesn't that follow, or am I missing something? No, that's exactly right. And here's what's interesting about that. Let's just take the attorney general in the state of Idaho, right? If, 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 yeah, exactly. You you look at it as the way that he has uh, basically stuck up for the governor. There is a very deep contrast at law between his position and the position of the Department of Justice on that mm-hmm. issue. Like, okay, so the question then becomes, well, how can that be? There you go. You're asking my questions for me. You're interviewing yourself here, man. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that, that's, that is precisely my question. So we have a governor who, in my opinion, and not at all uh, completely uninformed opinion, I flatter myself, that has violated, he's overstepped his constitutional authority, he doesn't even have authority to issue the uh, edicts and the mandates that that he has issued by reason of the statutes that he's quoted. They don't give him they don't give him the stat they don't give him the authority because in order for him to have the authority under those statutes, he would have to uh, proclaim or assume that every citizen in Idaho was either infected or suspected of being infected, right? Right. Uh, so, so there's unless I'm reading this all wrong. So what he's done is he's issued an edict that declares everybody in Idaho is either infected or or suspected to be infected, and so everybody has to be treated as though they are a walking uh, contamination zone. That's exactly and right. That's the premise. Like when they when they take that position, which they've done, everybody knows it. When they take that position, that's the premise they're asserting. Right. And so and so the governor says this and then the attorney general for the state of Idaho says, oh, yeah, that's that's he's absolutely right. He has all that authority. Well, there again, uh, as as I've said before on this show, uh, on my Facebook posts and even in a previous conversation with you, man, the uh, none of these statutes, none of these constitutions are written in any higher than eighth grade level English. And it's they're pretty easy to understand. And right. so now, now we have guys that are sitting in office that are telling me and you and all the rest of the citizens that it doesn't mean what it says on the paper. Right. It actually means something different. Right. 
Well, and there's, and there's something a little more nefarious here. And okay. that is in, that that is the interpretation of of um, private rights and the interpretation on, on behalf of the attorney general and the governor. Right. So the governor, let's just we can probably agree that the governor is not really a legal guy. So he's not going to arrive at maybe a, a legal he may not have any legal acumen. Okay. So he's going to rely on, on the attorney general in the state of Idaho. So the attorney general's advice to the governor is going to be critical in the governor's, you know, in the governor's ability to discharge his responsibilities correctly under the law. Right. So then, and we've talked about this. I've talked about this with certain legislators is like, okay, well, William Barr has made it clear. Now, he didn't come out and say these words, but this is what he's saying when he made that edict publicly. And he basically saying, look, you cannot deprive citizens of the United States of their liberty without due process of law. Now, there's a couple of ways to look at that. One way to look at it of depriving somebody of due process of law is if the legislature meets and they pass a law that gives them statutory authority to do what they're doing right now well there is no statutory authority so what they're doing is they're reading the emergency powers in the title of the code to say well it extends to that even though there's no statutory direct statutory authority to do that that's what's happening here right right uh, so they're they're assuming that because well they've gotten used to assuming authority power that they don't actually have and they're used to people That's right. just saying yeah okay well he said he has the authority so he must and then we get um the attorney general says well yeah he has the authority so well even if we don't trust the governor we have a, a natural inclination to trust the attorney general because he's the top legal guy in the state right and yeah. so so now we've got two officials who have obviously overstepped their authority. And, uh, you know, I hate to just come out and say that both of them, they're lying to us. They're just flat lying. That's, that's where we're at. Okay. So, so we have a whole host of high level officials that are flat lying to the people and trying to get us to wear masks and we're just buying it. And then ourselves into a position where we're, we are actually talking to each other or at each other and the people who are uh, wearing masks because they actually, they believe or they have some kind of personal reason that they should or believe they should are looking at people that won't wear masks or don't wear masks. Like they're selfish and cruel and um, just very nasty people. And then the people that are wear are not wearing masks uh, have a tendency to look at the people that are wearing masks like they're idiots. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> so uh, one wonders if that might not be at least part of the point. Well, I believe to my belief that that is part of the point is if, is if you lack the statutory or constitutional authority to do a certain action and you've been thoroughly mind virusly convinced that that you have to take these actions because of whatever, you know, you're you're preserving, you know, the the United States citizenry because you've been mind virused into, into believing that this thing is so dangerous that, that it's going to kill so many people that 99.95% of the people actually survive it. 
and it, it just becomes it, it it's it's a abject lesson in how a mind virus can affect somebody. Well, and the, yeah, the uh, as I've said many times before, and and I'll say it, I'll say it probably a few thousand more times. Uh, the uh, the panic porn portion of this COVID thing is at least a thousand times more deadly than the virus itself. And, Absolutely. You know, and I mean, in terms of what it's done to us economically, in terms of, of what it to just, I mean, it's, it's almost, it's so difficult to, to even be human to each other anymore over this very thing. I mean, I'll give you just a, for instance, personal anecdote. My wife uh, had to go, had to go to Walmart yesterday in Midland. Um, now, what we've done is we've pretty much uh, left off going into stores that had, because just because my girls don't want to go out anywhere because they're not going to wear a mask and they don't like, they don't like the, the treatment that they receive. And yet they're, they're not going to serve the lie, right? The, the dictate in my house is we are not serving the lie. We're not serving the lie. Now, if, if I have to go in someplace and I absolutely have to have something in there and I can't get it anywhere else, then I'm going to put a mask on, get what I got, uh, get what I need, and then leave. That's what I'm going to do. Um, okay. But if I, if I don't have to, I'm not going to, right? I mean, heck, my, family's had, my family had a virus earlier this year. I don't know what it was to get tested, but everybody got sick. We all um, – now – but I'm not going to go participate in the numbering system either. I mean, that's it. Uh, to me, right. to me, that's just that's just more and more of of serving the lie and contributing to the panic, and I'm not going to do it. Right. So, so she goes to the store, and you know, and I have one son that has asthma, and he he actually can't wear a mask for very long at all. Um, oh yeah. So um, she goes to the store. There's a guy out there, little short guy that um, doesn't speak English well, and he's got this mask on, and he tries to physically block her from going into the store. She's trying to return some items, and uh, and he's hollering at her, actually hollering at her. This is her report to me, and uh, she says, she says, she says, I don't understand. And he starts screaming and hollering, masked, and and she and she told him, she says. I have an exemption. And he heard, no discrimination. Oh, black, white, Mexican. And really getting loud and, and intruding on her space. Finally, a girl comes along, asks what the problem is. Julie says, he's telling me I can't go into the mask after returning these items. She said, you don't have a mask? She said, no, I don't have a mask. And I don't need to wear one. As a matter of fact, I'm not supposed to. Oh, you can go in. And she went in. Right. Oh wow. Yeah. So just just like so so not not now not only do we have uh, governors, attorneys general, uh, mayors, and and all these other officials that are acting like petty tyrants. We've even got Walmart help that are acting like petty tyrants. Right. So yeah. and and we're not treating each other with. So this whole is bordering on uh, complete mayhem. <laughs> Well, here's my take on it. It goes, you know, it, it's witnessing these things, of course. And then, and then trying to like come to come to this resolution in my mind, because one of the things that I, that I'm predicated on is, is the, the term coherence. 
Like I, I try to, I try to keep everything in my life coherent. Now, what, what that means is that there's, there has to be a consistency in my logic and my actions and everything else in my life that, you know, where I can, I can have a conversation and a stream of thought comes out of me. That's the same from the beginning to the end so that everything is coherent. And then I find that if I'm living my life in that manner, then things go much better. There's, there's a lot less disorganization around me. Yeah. We call that uh, in my house, we call that protracted linear thought process, right? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And and I see that's, that's a very good way of putting it because it's, it's another way of talking about this coherence, right? The, and, you know, I think about it in terms of energy because that's all we really are is we're beings of energy, right? So, so I, think, I think in our thinking processes, use energy and, and relies on energy and this sort of thing. And so when I'm looking at all of these issues, I see dis, you could say discordant, discoherent, uh, incoherence across the entire spectrum. And what it seems like to me is that the system – there's there's like two systems in place here there's a system that one side's trying to trying to um manifest you know the that's the radical left they're trying to manifest this this idea that they this ideology that they have about how they think all governance should be and we're seeing now that it's massively tyrannical and then you have this this other side you know president trump i guess could 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 spearhead that he could be the, the focal point of that ideology. And it's like, well, we want to kind of return the power to the people. Right? right. Right. And so you have this, you have discordant thought across virtually every matrix and it makes it impossible to have coherence. And if we don't have coherence, this is going to continue going in the direction that it's going because of all of the incoherence. Well, that so that leads into the next question, right? So we know, so this is so very, very small part of it, right? Now, obviously, two uh, diametrically opposed visions, right? And and I mean, we can narrow it down to this is we've we've got, uh, I I call it liberty and tyranny, right? We've got the Marxist ideology that is is attempting to completely unmake the republic and they're using every single bit of chaos that they can because that's marxism needs chaos right they they believe they absolutely believe that chaos is required for reconstruction you have to it doesn't matter what it is you have to burn it down tear it down make it go completely away and then somehow magically out of the ashes the phoenix will arise and it'll all be perfect um uh, those of us who actually engage in protracted linear thought processes realizes that you can't do that. If you burn something down, you actually have to physically make bricks, dig dirt, pour foundations, and actually build something up again because what you're left with is destruction and and, and rubble, right? Um, yeah, right. It's a lot easier to remodel a house than it is to completely bulldoze it and start all over again. Um, so... And so this this comes right back into the foundation. As long as the foundation's good, you got something good to build on. So my argument is that the foundation that we have, uh, this constitutional republic that we have, 
is a very good foundation. It's an awesome foundation, the best foundation that was ever conceived by the mind of man. And we look at those, you look at the wording of the documents, right? And specifically the, you know, you come from the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Articles of Confederation, uh, and perpetual union, and then fast forward, you know, through the the debates with the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers, right? Uh, and, uh, as it was originally amended, right, with the first ten, I uh, I think those are that's you don't get a much better foundation than that for um, a limited government uh, that that respects that understands that men were created by God and. And the, all of their rights come from God, and government was instituted to protect those rights and nothing more. Um, you just you can't get a concept for liberty. You can't get a better concept for freedom, for productivity. Um, and you know, here we are, you know, in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty, uh, on the twenty second of, of, of July. And we're at a point where we have yet again another uh, another very malevolent and large group of people within the, the of these United States that really want to tear the whole thing down and make us look like uh, they want to make us look like Russia or China or Venezuela. And somehow they want you and I to believe that if they burn it down and tear it down, it's not going to look like that. It'll look like something different. Um, yep. I don't see how that, I don't see how that's going to happen. I know I'm certainly not buying it. Um, well, here, here's, here's my take on it, Carl. It's, it's, um, you're 100% right when you, when you say that the system of government that was built, that established this United States, uh, country, the country, the nation, you know, that the idea of Western government, you know, being somewhat fulfilled, uh, with the writing of the constitution and here here's my of, of years of studying the documents here's where I, the conclusion that i've came to that document the, the the men who wrote it and and fumed over it and fought over it and stormed out of the room over it etc 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 to come to this and there was a, i'm telling you that it almost didn't happen because there was a lot of things to fight about <laughs> um the end result was the most coherent form of government ever devised by man I agree and the reason why it's been stable for so long is because it's coherent that's the reason why it, it, when uh, you have that sort of coherence the stability is such that the only way to destabilize it is to do what they're doing now and that is to try to bring as much chaos into it as possible because you have such a stable coherent system that is so hard to destabilize it that's, that's, that's why it hasn't been done before. Uh, that's, why, that's why this Constitution has lasted as long as it has. And, and I think, you know, we go back to what Brent, Ben Franklin said, you know, um, and, and going to those debates that you just referenced, right? While they were having all those fights, and they were fighting so hard they, they couldn't uh, come to an agreement. And so Ben Franklin stands up and, and you know, he says there he made a, I won't read the whole thing here, but I've got this part committed to memory. He says, I've lived for a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the 
except the Lord build, they labor in vain that build it. Right. So yeah, this is that, you know, Ben Franklin, who some of those guys, some, uh, uh, <laughs> some of the more modern scholars accused of being a deist stated very publicly in the, in the debates for the drafting of this document that we're talking about, that there's no way we're going to get this done without God's help. And it's certainly not going to last without his help. So, right. so here we are. And I think this is where we've, where we've really gone astray, Ron, is that we've, uh, the very first thing that we did was we stopped uh, actually acknowledging God and beseeching his help in the governing of our public affairs. Right. And, yeah. and then when we stopped doing that, we stop. We uh, begin to forget that it's the governance of God that allows us to govern us, because without without His superintending uh, providence on us, we can We don't have the capability of governing ourselves. We're just we're beasts, and I mean, we're proving that in Chicago, Minnesota, uh, L.A., Seattle. Right? This is animalistic yeah. behavior going on here. This is absolute lack of self governance, and. So, but then what we're refusing to do is we're refusing to hew back to the Lord as king, Christ as king. And if we don't do that, if he's not our king, then somebody else is going to be our king. And and we're going to be left, which is in, in fact what we have now. We've got tyrants all over the union, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, let's just bring Brad Little, right? Lawrence Watson, for goodness sake. Um, these are not, this is not good. Um, no, no. So here we are, we've got this here. This is the situation. And, um, and we're going to get into, I'll tell you what I want to do, Ron, is I want to have you, I want you to have you back probably several times because we've just begun this conversation, this conversation. Well, has, yeah, you know, I, I have a lot to say about what you just said right there, because I, I don't know if the listeners understand what you just said there and the power of what you just said. But it is like, OK, so I, I would I would like try to put this boundary around what you just said. I would say this. Well, the founders were trying to draft the Constitution. They had to face the Rousseau problem. And you know what the Rousseau problem was? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the Rousseau problem is like, well, anytime you get organized societal structured together human emotion screws it up so they had to face that problem when they were hammering out the constitution and here's how they answered it they said well this system of government can only be can only be had and and um and and maintained over time by a moral people right that's how they answered the rousseau problem yeah, and that's this is and, that, and John Adams said that is specifically when he was addressing the militia, right? Um, yep. And we, we don't have a government that is capable of bridling the passions of man without morality and religion. He said, you know, we're, this constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the governance of any other. So, if we're going to have a constitutional government, we have to be a moral and religious people. I mean, that's, yep. that's just all there is to it. You can't have yep. this. You can't have this without that. There is, there's only, as uh, um, Pastor Doug Wilson says, there's, it's Christ or chaos. Right? So here's what I would say. I would say the source of the coherence of the document and the structure that they created was that, right? You just put your finger right on it. That's the source of the coherence of the structure. 
Right. And they, they absolutely understood that. They absolutely yep. understood that. Anybody who reads what they wrote, and, and more to the point, as, as you and I both have done, I know, uh, read what they read to yep. get to what they wrote. You can't, there's no way that a man can spend two or three hours reading stuff that those guys wrote without knowing the, the ultimate source of authority was God Almighty and that there is absolutely no way that we can govern ourselves without his providence. It's not possible. And, and so, so here we are. Uh, we got the United States of America, not so United States of America, uh, today with, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to say 50%. And, you know, I, that's probably terribly, terribly underestimated. But I'm going to say 50% of the population of these United States want absolutely nothing to do with God in government. What they want is they want to rule over their fellow man. They, they, they want to tyrannize the, the population that just simply wants to be left alone. And they won't admit it and they won't see it that way, but that's, that's ultimately how it goes. So that's right. So here we are. And this does beg the question. And, and these things have got to be asked and they've got to be answered. And, and reasonable men have to have reasonable conversations about this very thing. Because Agreed. there's no way that 50% of this of the population, if I'm accurate, and again, I think I may be underestimating, if I'm really accurate that there's a that that 140 million people that live here, right? Yeah. There's 175 that that want to tyrannize the rest of us. Uh, I'm yeah. not down with that, and. And there's absolutely, there's no way that appealing to words written on a parchment in 1787 are, are going to stop them from not going to happen. No. And, and all of these guys, these uh, BLMers, the Antifas, all of them, they have made it very, very plain that they want the entire thing to come down. They want it to burn. And they want to... and, and many of them that they're trained Marxists. So we know where that's. Yeah. So we're not. Well, history tells you where that's going. Like if, if the radical left get what they want, it, it degrades the same way in history every single time. And then, and then instead of, instead of measuring your body count, or let's say that you're going to, you're going to put a, a you're going to, you're going to apply a body count mechanism metric to the amount of tyranny that, that it degrades to. But when you're measuring bodies in the tens of millions, you might as well throw the metric out. Right. Cause it's, it's, it doesn't, um, you know, if once a, once a tyrant gets a taste for power, the nothing, nothing's going to stop them from getting more. Right. right. And, and, and you and I standing on the street corner saying uh, constitutional, that's not even going to be an irritant to them. Right. Right. So, right. so here's my take on it is this. There's wicked ways, right? Cause that's what the word tells us to do. Uh, and we need to bear help from the one that we abandoned in the first place and ask him to remember us. We need to make sure that we remember him, and and then there. I think there needs to be enough people 
that understand that that's what we need to do. And we need to start talking about what a divorce is actually going to look like. And that's going to, that's going to take up a whole long conversation and we're not going to oh, be, yeah. not going to be able to do it on this show. I do. I, I don't see an out. I do. I happening. And as I said in my last show, it's going to be, it'll be nicer. It'll be nasty or at least semi nice. And I, I would rather it be amicable. I don't, I'm not interested in war. I've seen a lot of war in my life. I don't like it. It's bad. Bad things happen to good people in war. And, you know, families are wrecked. Uh, moms and dads are destroyed. Kids are killed. And right. it, it's just not good. And, and the idea is killing Americans again on this continent because we simply can't agree because there's a certain portion of us that will not, that in, on our own personal liberty and our own self uh, there's another portion of of this population that insists on governing without God, which means that and the right. only answer to that is tyranny. Um, right. Those two mindsets cannot coexist, and I don't. No, see, they can't. And I don't see it. I, I don't see this. Um, and and you know, if we there's no way that uh, people who want to just govern themselves peacefully and be left alone, worship God and, and able to in, enjoy the fruits of their own labor without being molested are going to, to suffer people coming in and breaking down their house and robbing them. And the people that want to break down their house and rob them and control them are not going to just let those other people alone. They've already, already proven that again, we go back to Minneapolis, right. Seattle, uh, LA, they're not going to leave you alone. Not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, and for that and a whole lot of other reasons, and um, I want to the the fact that we're we're stupidly sp have spent ourselves into so much debt we can never recover from it. Um, <clears throat> that's a that's a complete uh, a different subject, but it it bears on, on exactly the same end. It's unsustainable. We have gone we've gone way over the path of sustainability. Um, well, I will tell you, one of the things that, that's been made markedly clear by President Trump's presidency is that all of the differences, I guess you could say, for lack of better terminology, let's just say that all of the differences or ideological differences between the left and the right. All right, so up until President Trump, you know, became president, <clears throat> There wasn't, you know, the left did a really good job of sort of kind of camouflaging their intent. But they don't camouflage their intent anymore. It's the first time in my, in, that I can remember that the radical left or, or all of those people with this ideological bent have literally just spewed it out and revealed it for the world to see for the first time ever, as far as I can tell. Right. And we're getting to see how far they are away from center to the left we're, we're getting to see the tyrannical reach of that you know with that that mind virus it's like because you, there's some things that you would want to know if you're looking at if you're looking at this all of this stuff and you're trying to have a rational cognitive conversation in your mind about how am i going to rationalize all this so that i understand what's taking place in front of me then how am i going to make these judgments when i see the radical left taking these positions and i see some people on the right taking these positions 
And then all sorts of positions being taken in between those two. It's like, like if you don't have the foundation that you and I are talking about, that coherence where, where you've, you've studied the foundation, you know it pretty well, you know what was intended, you understand the men that did it and why they did it, and you understand the, the, what, what the, okay, so there's another, there's another aspect here, right? If you, if you want to look at what is the system in the world that we can implement that gives humanity the greatest chance for a future of elevated living, you know, some sort of, let's say, let's say the next level, of, of social development, which is really, that's what the radical left is talking about. So when you listen to the radical left, they're like, Hey man, we're marching today because we see problems in the social order and we're here to fix them. And so you would go to the table, you know, people have tried to go to the table. I'm like, okay, well let's talk about this because I'm in the social order and you, and you're marching for things to try to come to some sort of outcome and you're writing them down and it's defund the police. It's all these things that I disagree with. So let's talk about this and see if we can come to coherence. Nothing. They won't talk. That means to me, that suggests to me that there's a different outcome that they're trying to reach. It has absolutely nothing to do with a unified, coherent approach. Nothing to do with it. Well, it's, it certainly has nothing to do with and And it's certainly right. and so, with uh, letting you own your own property and money and, reap the, and feed your own family in the in the uh, style that you would like, uh, they that's that has absolutely nothing to do with it. They want absolute. Control. Yeah. So, so Carl, Carl, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, in my mind, if I'm going to look at all the systems that came before and the system that we have now, which of those systems gives all humanity the, the all humanity the best chance to have that higher level future? Well, it's this one as far as I can tell. I've never seen another one that can come close to the coherency that establishes that foundation for a greater humanity. Uh, well, Are that's you? because there, there, there hasn't been one. There's never been one that was there designed hasn't. by man that, that's anywhere close to excellence, right? And I'm not talking about what we've right. let, I'm not talking about what we've let it become, just so everybody's clear on that. I'm talking about right. The words that were written down from the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution as originally. Now, I have a problem with almost every single amendment after the 10th because the first 10 limited the federal government's power and the rest of them in large measure enlarged it in some way. And, yes. and that was uh, and we've gone very far afield. Explore that in great depth in the coming weeks. And I hope you're going to have the, uh, enough time to keep coming back because we just got started, brother. Well, I got a lot in my brain pan. We'll see if we can get it uncorked and spilled out. So, Okay. Well, Ron, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great sharing this time with you. All right, everybody, this has been the Burglar Report. This is a view from my saddle, always slanted toward liberty. Until next week. <laughs>